Hello and welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast. I'm your host, Ben James. I'm joined by rugby correspondent Stefan Thomas. Today, the pool stages of the 2023 Rugby World Cup are over and we are heading into the knockout stages and Wales, of course, have made it. They're in a quarterfinal uh, next Saturday. They finished their campaign off, uh, their pool campaign off, uh, I should say, with a relatively comfortable win over Georgia in Nantes. There was a few squeaky uh, moments. Steph, what have you? What did you make of the win uh, over Georgia? Uh, I think on the whole, they, they'd be happy with it. Um, I think they were quite... Um, I think they fell asleep for the third quarter of the game, although you've got to give Georgia some credit. They actually played well for period. But even when David Ninyashvili scored that try, I never, I never really felt that Wales are in danger of losing the game. As soon as he scored, they woke up and they took control again, and um, you know won comfortably in the end. So it wasn't a perfect performance. There were things to work on. I don't think the attack worked as well as it had uh, as it did in the in the first few games. Obviously, you know losing out to half half an hour or so before didn't help that, but. At the end of the day, they got a bonus point win. Um, they won four from four in the pool stage in the quarterfinal. Many of us, myself included, um, were doubtful whether they'd make the, the last eight. So on the whole, you you got to be pleased, I think, if you're a Welsh supporter. Yeah, absolutely. Four wins from four. I think for Warren Gatland, it's 14 wins from 16 in World Cup pool stage matches. So, you know, one, once again, he's shown that he knows what he's doing at World Cups when he gets a squad together. Um for those sort of summer months, uh, he tends to make it work. Funny, I was speaking to James Hook post-match, um, and we were talking, we were reminiscing about the last time uh, Hook he was in, was in Nantes in 07. Um, they had a summer tour to Australia before the, before the World Cup. I Cup, remember. Which wasn't, which wasn't the best of preparation, and um, we all know how that turned out. It, it wasn't perfect um, on, on Saturday in terms of performance and also in terms of, uh, well, in injuries. You know, Wales have had it pretty good so far, I think, in this tournament. Tommy Raffel obviously missed the Portugal game, but that was a precautionary move. And in the end, it's worked out because he's, he's not ruled out the tournament. However, on Saturday, things did go wrong. Obviously, we lost Gareth Anscombe in the warm-up and then Tulupi Falato broke his arm uh, during our second half. Um, and it, it's hard to sort of, just, just put into words how big a loss that is for Wales, isn't it? Yeah, uh, if you if if you and I were given the task of picking a World Fifteen when we came to the number eight position, Farlett would probably be one of three players that we'd be seriously considering. He's he's that level. He's there's top end international class, and then there's world class, and he's one of the few genuine world class players Wales have got. Um, and if there was one player you you wouldn't want to lose it, it would be him. Because he's the sort of guy that there are many games, like I've watched games that like I'm doing the player ratings and I think, oh, he's been quiet today. Then you look at the stats and you're thinking, nah, he ain't been quiet. You know, he's done all the unseen work and he's the sort of guy that he's so good, he allows others around him to, to play better. Um, and he's dug Wales out of some almighty holes in the past. So it is a big blow. However... Not to underestimate Argentina, I do think that Wales have enough to cover that loss. I think Wayne Wright has really upped his game, taken his game to another level over the 
over the past few months. And I thought, you know, we all know how good Jack Morgan is. He was missed on the weekend, I thought, from a leadership point of view. But I thought Rafael was um, was outstanding. And I wrote in in um, in one of my articles this weekend that um, because Jack's so special, we forget how good Rafael is as well. And having Rafael there, if, if Gatland goes for that double open side, like we saw Australia do for years, Pocock and Hooper, um, so it'd be Rafael and Morgan away in right at eight. It does strengthen us elsewhere in terms of the breakdown. And if you watch the Argentina game, they, the, I was just, I think the commentator said exactly the same thing as I'm about to say. You know, the the their rucks, the speed of their ruck ball is so fast, so they won't get that against Wales. So Rafael coming in does strengthen us, and if he does play, does strengthen us in other areas. So it is a big blow, but I do think Wales have got enough depth just about to cover it and and get past Argentina. Would you go with that? dual open side um, of, of Morgan and Raffel or would you go for someone like Dan Lydia or, or Chris Chunza because as you mentioned Argentina got a lot of quick ball um, on the weekend largely off getting their Morgan going and, and, and sort of making early breaks against Japan which they, they might not do against us but in terms of slowing down that, that speed of ball a, a lot of it is the jackal but it all starts with the collision doesn't it mm. yeah absolutely um it's obviously not black and white, is it? But um, I, uh, I think he obviously could go for Lidia. That wouldn't surprise me. You know, he's been his go-to man for a number of years. But I don't think he's, with all respect, I don't think he's quite the understandably given his age, quite the player he was. Um, I Chris Chuns has had some impressive. I mean, he did reasonably well against Portugal. He's he's had some decent cameos off the bench. But I'm not sure whether Warren Gatland would. If he's a good lineup of it. I don't know if he trusts him in a big game like that. I don't know if he's quite quite there yet. Um, and you know, I think you know. Obviously, you were in the press conference, but reading the quotes, um, Gatlin obviously said about the the dual open side, and you know, maybe you know, you you sort of lose him at the line out. So there's a lot of things to juggle. And as I said, it's not black and white. But personally, I I think it's a case of getting best players on the field. And for me. Raffle is one of Wales' best players and I just think that that combination of Raffle and Morgan could work quite well against Argentina, I think, personally. Yeah, um I don't know if, I don't know if, I haven't seen it confirmed anywhere, but I am fully checked to be honest, whether Matera's out. Um doesn't look good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think Michael Checker did say yesterday that he he's almost uh, certainly yeah, out. But that was the course I've read, so that'll be a big huge blow for Argentina. It will, Bigger yeah. than us lose. Bigger than Wales losing Farlato, I think. That's, that's a bold statement, but yeah, I, I see what you mean. He is, he is just saw the heartbeat. He was in the team, and they are a team that you know it, it sounds a cliche, and, and it, 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 but I think Warburton made the point. Sam Warburton made the point that they're, they're quite an emotional team, and they sort of thrive on that. And that's maybe where I think they can they can get at us on Saturday. Um, I think the first question. It was asked in Spanish by a French journalist, bizarrely, and, and Checker answered it in near fluent Spanish himself. But the first question was almost like, have you been happy with Argentina's performances in this World Cup? Because they haven't really been at that good a level, which is quite, the, quite a question to be asking a bloke who's just got through to the last day of the World Cup. But there is a sense that there's more to come from this Argentina team. I think... Had we got Japan, I think Japan were largely at their ceiling. They were they were building because you know they're they're a tier two team have only played 
10, ma- 10 test matches together in the last year. And, and so they are getting better week by week. And I think they, they're gaining their accuracy. But with Argentina, you certainly feel that where they were in the rugby championship, some of the performances, they've not hit that in France yet. But in that sense, then they potentially do have more to come. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Um, you only got to look look at the last four years. I mean, they've they beat New Zealand twice. I mean, to put it into context, Wales haven't beaten the All Blacks since 1953. You know, they've there was a game. Um, I think the final game of the Rugby Championship might have been in Cape Town. They lost to the Springboks by a point, and I think they rested Boffelli, Emiliano Boffelli, and I think they missed about six, five six kicks at goal. So if he played that game, they probably would have beaten the Springboks as well. And They've won a trick and they've beaten Australia a few times. So, and I think you're right. They are a team that thrive on emotion. It's a, it's, it's a bit like Fiji to an extent as well. You know, there are a lot of teams that can raise their game against teams above them and get wins, but they struggle when they they play teams above them. In, uh, sorry, below them emotionally. And Argentina were terrible against England. Um, were much better against Samoa. To be honest, they they, they played better. They played reasonably well against Japan, but. There is, I do get a sense there is that one big performance in them. You know, they got a very powerful pack. Um, Laura Cari is there, one of, if not the best goal kickers in the world, above fairly. So they are a very dangerous team. There's no doubt about it. It is a losable game. But I think, you know, if you look at the Japan game, right, Argentina played well. You could only beat who's put in front of you. But most of that, but three of those tries wouldn't have been scored against Wales. They were just pure. One on missed one on one missed tackles. You you'd be screaming at a pub team for missing some of the tackles the Japanese missed. So they'll find Wales a lot tougher to crack in attack. There's no doubt about that. But yeah, it it certainly um you know if, if there's any Welsh fans who think the Wales are already in the semi finals, then uh, you know they uh, they need to think again because it's going to be a tough game. Yeah, it was it was a strange game yesterday in many ways. I think both teams really struggled with their exits, which. You know, you you getting try scoring opportunities largely from exits rather than say scrums or lineouts or sort of <laughs> midfield set plays. Everything was, you know, Japan would score and then they'd immediately not clear their lines from from the kickoff, and then Argentina would score it. In that sense, it was it was it was a lot of two steps forward, one step back sort of rugby from both teams. Um, which yeah makes it makes it a hard one to read in terms of what one expect. Next week, I think before yesterday, I certainly felt that Argentina, you could keep them at arm's length and they didn't maybe have the attacking tools in this World Cup to break you down like we saw against England. Neither team there really had any anything in attack. That was just two teams who were, who were, were so blunt uh, with ball in hand. Um, you know, it was almost two bold men fighting over a cone, but England had the sense... Uh, particularly when they they had the red card early on to take the points when they're on offer, and obviously George Ford dropped a load of drop goals, and and they they got the job done. And we've seen Wales do that at times. I mean, admittedly, Wales's attack has been far better than that. But against Australia, you know, they they only had one try up until about the hour point, and they already had a twenty point lead at that point, just because they were whatever chance they got, they kept Australia in back and, and at arm's length, and they, and they just kept the scoreboard ticking along. So. That's why I'm, I don't know, relatively confident um, that, that, that Wales will win next weekend. Michael Check has already sort of laid down, laid down the gauntlet. He's, he said that, that they're well and truly underdogs and that some people think that Wales are already in a semi-final. Um, so, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting to see 
as I say, we've lost Falato. Gareth Anscombe's the other one. Um, everything now rests on on the fitness of Dan Bigger. He, he was back in training last week. He was looking good. Obviously, they named him on the bench then when Costello stepped into the starting lineup on Saturday, but they didn't bring him on um, just sensibly, I think, just to no point risking him if you don't need to. Um, but yeah, it, it is massive that, that Dan Bigger starts his core final, isn't it? I think so. Um, obviously, as we said, losing Farlato was a, an enormous blow, but I think losing, um, I think if you didn't have Anscombe and Bigger, that'd be even bigger blow, no pun intended. Um, Sam Costello had, um, he, he did reasonably well. He, you know, he, he, I remember asking Warren Gatland, I think it was before the England warm-up game, the first one, about Costello, because he, he started him and he said, you know, he's a great prospect, but his kicking game is the area where He's not quite there yet, and I think you saw that a bit, a bit on the weekend. His kicking game obviously wasn't at the same standard as Anscombe and Bigger. Um, you know, he, he he brought something else. I mean, the pass for the vision and the pass for Liam Williams' try was superb. Um, he's got huge potential, and they're probably more good points than bad points. But in a big knockout game where the pressure is on, and one mistake, and you're out to the tournament. You know, it's a big risk pick playing him, I think. So having Bigger and Anscombe uh, available, one well, at least one of those available, you know, I think it, it looks like it'll be, time will tell, but it looks like it'll be a bit of a long shot for Anscombe to be fit. But having Bigger fit, I think, would be, um, you know, I think it's critical for, for Wales' hopes, really. Um, so, yeah, I think I think it's enormous that he's uh, that he's fit. Absolutely. Um Obviously, we're in quarterfinal week now and all, all the quarterfinals have been decided. There's been a little bit of moaning, I think, on some parts of social media. Um, you know, the, the draw that, that everyone keeps coming back to. Um, I don't know whether that, that's from... But suddenly it's from... It's, it's, a lot of it seems to be from Ireland. <laughs> who have gone through tell me about it. Who have gone through as poor winners. There's less moaning from Scotland, who are number five in the world that have gone out, than there is from Ireland, who, you know, have gone through as pool winners and, and have beaten everyone in front of them. But um yeah, we, we know the we know the last eight of this World Cup now. Um and there's some there's some fascinating battles, aren't there? I think it, you know it's very hard to call all four of these quarterfinals. Yeah. Um yeah absolutely I think obviously um Ireland against New Zealand is the sort of um the showcase event, let's say. I have said that France and the Springboks probably on a par with it. But, um, yeah, I, I just think, I, I, in terms of the draw, look, it, I understand the points people are making, but as a cup competitions work, you just got to get over it, haven't you? you know? I'm actually quite excited to watch these games on this weekend anyway. So whether it happens in the quarterfinals or the semifinals, who, who really cares? It's, it's cup rugby. So I, I think, um, think the Ireland All Blacks game is just absolutely... It's, a, it's just box office, isn't it? Because it's very difficult to like sort of judge where New Zealand are at because yeah. they lost. They played quite well in the first half against France, but they were comfortably beaten in the second half. But there was always a sense that that was almost a shot to nothing for them because they knew that they would walk the rest of the pool, and which they did, you know. And they played well against Italy, but Italy was so bad. It, you know, you were by tier two nation, Namibia tier three nation sort of thing, you know. So. You couldn't really, you can't really judge New Zealand. Um, 
I think from an Irish perspective, I think Ireland are favourites. You know, they can shy away from as much as they want, but they were a huge success over New Zealand in recent times. And they remind me a bit of New Zealand back in, say, 2015, just in terms of how relentless they are. There are, there are some teams that, that, that can live with them for like 20 minutes, half an hour, but for Ireland, it's 80 minutes. And New Zealand's challenges, their, their attacking game is probably as good as it's ever been. But if you look at the games that they've lost, you know, to the Springboks, to Ireland, uh, to France, their weakness has been the front five against the very best teams. They've got a lot of good individual players, you know, a lot of athletes, but Ireland are really comfortable physically and at the breakdown. They're, they're packs because, you know, they've got Carrius out the pack, they've got Jacklers, you know, they, they're just so physical and that's the chance for New Zealand. If New Zealand can gain parity up front, then they can win that game, I think. Um, but that's a fascinating one. I, th- I think England and Fiji as well is intriguing because Fiji have fallen off a cliff, haven't they? In terms of their form, I mean, they they, they would you know, congratulations to Portugal. They were they were superb, but Fiji were dreadful. Just basic skill levels, you know, passes being thrown behind the man and knock-ons and stuff. It was Fijian like, but again, they are an emotional team like Argentina, and they're the sort of team that can raise their game. So. England are favourites, but I, I wouldn't totally rule the Fijians out. And then Springboks, France, just, you know, absolute box office again. So, um, you know, we'd be interested to see where South Africa go at 10. Do they go for Pollard? Uh, stick with Manny Lebock, who's a better attacking player, but Pollard, you know, if Pollard plays against Ireland a few weeks back, Springboks probably win. So that'll be interesting. And, of course, it's the, the whole Antoine Dupont thing as well. Can France beat South Africa? Without Antoine Dupont, I think they still can because I think they're the only team that one of the only teams that can with Ireland, obviously, that can match the Springboks physically. So that's going to be a that's a, that's a toss of a coin job that one. Perhaps home advantage will edge it, and then you go on to the Wales game where I think Wales have got a slight edge. So yeah, I, I think it's just the competition has just got serious, and um, don't make any plans for the weekend because uh, you don't want you don't want to miss these games. That's my advice. There's, there's so much in it. There's, there's so much in it. I think. Ireland, New Zealand. I think I just I can't see I can't see New Zealand getting the edge on Ireland physically. And I think No mate. We've seen a lot of games in this tournament where we've expected things to maybe be closer than they are. And obviously there's the, the tier one, tier two thing, but even even just tier one teams, and then one of the teams will put in a statement performance. Like Saturday night, you know, there was so much talk about this, you know, Scotland had nothing to lose. And just Ireland just killed the game. Just took it away from them, and you know, by the, by the time I like Scotland scored, but so the 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 pub, the, the brasserie we were at in in Nantes was almost patronisingly clapping the Scots for for getting over the whitewash. It was chest, you know, it was almost a bit sad to watch. And there's been a few games like that where you you think, right, okay, well, this is going to be, you know, it's, it's two Six Nations teams, there's you know, two Tier One teams, and and then it just takes it away. If Ireland play near their potential, they could do that. They could do the same to the All Blacks. Do you think they could tune the All Blacks? I mean, I don't know. About, I don't know about tune them, but I think they could. It could be comfortable. It could be surprisingly comfortable. I'm not putting. I'm not putting a score on it, but I think, like I said, you know, it might not be a sort of nip and tuck. You know, they could. They could just genuinely because they're things. They just seem to be able to score a will because they've got so many different options and yeah. their phase attack is just so good. They've they've always got 
They've always got latches on their carriers. They've always got an option out of the back. So as a defense, it's just very hard to know what to do. Like, you think, you know, I saw a quote this week about how New Zealand are going to lean on Joe Schmidt. Well, this is, this is, this is light years away from a Joe Schmidt Island yeah. team. You know? Without sort of knocking it because they were very successful, but they were ultimately found out in 2019. A Joe Schmidt Island team was three phases of some sort of trick play from a starting move and then just pick and goes. That's what it was. Hmm. I mean, they beat the All Blacks with it a couple of times, to be fair to them. I mean, um, Stockdale scored off that that sort of line out, I think, in Dublin when they, they switched back to the blind side um, off first phase. You know, so they always had those sort of trick moves. But Farrell's just just built it now where they can they can have multi-phase attack and there's always options. And it, it is it's quite frightening, I think. South Africa, France, that's that's maybe weirdly that's that's the cool final that people aren't talking about as much. Yeah. To the island, um, New Zealand one, but I think that's the one that's the team more interesting because there aren't many teams who can deal with South Africa physically, but I think France are one of them. I think they showed that last year when they played in the autumn, off the top of my head. And you know, with Dupont Pack, it, it is going to be fascinating to see how that one goes. Um, yeah, England, Fiji. As you say, Fiji have had a strange one. I think, weirdly, the tournament, they never, they never played a tournament like this. You think back to four years ago, they had four-day turnarounds between games. They'd get up for the for, for a game against Wales, and then they'd come down and have to play a year ago, four days later. If anything, it's been too far the other way this time. Hmm. They, they had their big games against Wales and Australia, and they had two weeks off. Let me ask you a question, right, because you're... You obviously, uh, you love your analysis. So, it, historically, you know, when New Zealand have played big knockout games, it's always been a case of, even when they're against really good teams, it's always been the other team's got a chance if New Zealand are below par. But it's almost a role reversal now. New Zealand have got a chance if Ireland are below par. How can New Zealand, is there any way New Zealand can beat Ireland? Where, if you were coach, where do you attack the Irish? How do you approach this game? You know, I'm not sure. Uh, and this is... <laughs> Put you on the spot there, it's tough. It is a tough one. I think... Do they just try... Sort of... Swing for the fences? You know, we, as you say, their attacks look decent. Um, yeah. as, much as, as much as you can read into games against Italy and, and Uruguay and a, and a really poor Italy team at that. Just... just <laughs> Seemingly wanted to end the seemingly wanted to end the game and crowd the air as bad as they possibly could. Um, yeah, I don't know whether they just come out swinging or if they they, they might have something special planned. Um, I say I say that I don't see them coping physically. They have they have improved in that regard in the last twelve months, haven't they? If you think back to when they were at their their worst, um, which was still enough to put fifty points on Car- uh, Wales and Cardiff, but when they were at that point where Scott Robertson was basically about to be parachuted in. That's you know they they didn't they didn't have the physicality and they were they were poor in the scrum. I think they have improved yeah. on that. So you know, yeah, it, it's a tough one. I I don't see this island team having the same mental hang-ups of like Irish teams in the past. You know, I think a lot a lot is made of Ireland at World Cups. Um. And when you think about it, how many times have they really choked? 
I mean, 2019 was the pool stage. That's what killed them. They lost to Japan, and then they had to face yeah. the All Blacks. 2015, okay, yeah, they, they Argentina. 2011 against 2011 against Wales. That's just two Six Nations teams. That's a flip of the coin. And Wales were a better team at that time, which yeah. they don't like to admit. Yeah, yeah. and Argentina were a good team in 15 as exactly. well. Exactly, Argentina are a great World Cup team because you know they, yeah. they just have that. They have that knack of just getting up for those games. Oh seven, all right. They lost to France and Argentina, but again, Argentina were very good at that tournament. They finished the, yeah. in France with the hosts. So, and then before that, you, you're looking at oh three ninety nine. You know, they 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 were not the same level. They weren't at that level then. And, and you know, before they they lost to Wales uh, in 2011, they'd only ever lost to I think Argentina and France in quarterfinals. You know, go back to the nineties, and you know, you're playing New Zealand and and stuff, and in in, in the pool stage, so. They probably haven't choked as much as people like to make out. Um, I, I, I certainly just don't think that this current island team will have any mental hang-ups. So a few weeks ago, even weirdly, with the France game, I, I sort of convinced myself that New Zealand would find a way of winning it. But the more Ireland are going on in that pool stage, the more I'm thinking, I just, I just, I just can't see um, New Zealand getting getting past them, I think they're going to do it. And then it's funny because out here in France, you know, there's a lot of Welsh fans and, and sort of supporters and, and, and even pundits saying, well, we'd rather have Ireland than New Zealand. They're both playing, I mean, particularly Ireland, they're, just play, they're playing different rugby right now. So it doesn't matter. And also, I think it is stating the obvious, of course, but it's imperative they have a really strong start because... If you go back a couple of months to rugby championship game in Auckland against the Springboks, they came out like a house on fire. Three, I think it was two or three early tries. And then for the rest of the game, the Springboks had the edge physically. They were dominant. You know, they, they, made, they made a couple of errors. They weren't at their best. But New Zealand had got ahead enough where they couldn't be caught. So they, they need to start really quickly. Um, and there's a lot of... Um, I was reading uh, New Zealand Herald earlier for coming on and... There's a lot of fuss over Damian McKenzie, who's a you know tremendous talent, but I wouldn't pick him. I think he's too loose against Ireland. I think Sexton will exploit certain areas of his game. Um, so they've got to be smart about how they play as well. Uh, again, I know he's stating the obvious, but they can't be too loose against Ireland. They need to be really accurate. Um, they can't give Ireland any ins because they're like New Zealand in their prime, like back in 2015. You know, They, they spot the weakness. They'll keep going and they keep going and they keep going and until you break. And they haven't got many weaknesses that I can see. No. So New Zealand have got a chance, but a puncher's chance. They they are the underdogs, like firm underdogs. And the comment the last time I, I said that about the All Blacks, but the guy ever. That's, it's a very it's a very strange situation, isn't it? Um, I think we'll probably wrap up the podcast there. I just want to finish on saying how brilliant Portugal were last night. Um, they, yeah. They've been a joy to watch in this tournament. And uh, <laughs> I remember minutes after the, the full-time whistle in Nice, there was a few Welsh journalists who were not thrilled with the, with the Wars yeah. performance against them. Can't name names. Name well, names. I won't name names. I won't do that. <laughs> but there was a few, you know, you know, the typical Wales performance against a tier two country. But I don't know. I, I had the opposite view because I just, I loved it because they were fearless. And they, they went out and they played, they had an intent to play running rugby for wherever they felt like. And in fairness to them, they executed it in all four games. 
Yeah. If they've got their oh, reward, you know, they've got a draw against Georgia, they've beaten Fiji, you know, they they did a they they pushed us close. Um, you know, in the end we actually we did we probably did well to make it as comfortable as it was, in in a weird sense. Yeah. And Australia, if they'd have taken their chances, they'd they'd probably maybe got that scalp as well. Yeah, well, oh, they've been superb. And I just, um, yeah, I just hope that moving forward, I mean, it's, nothing's going to happen until 2030 by the sound of it with World Rugby. And you worry that these tier two countries are going to go back to not playing much rugby in the next four years. But moving forward, particularly with Portugal, like we've got to get them involved at the highest, you know, at sort of the highest level and, 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 and help grow the sport more because if we're going to go to 24 countries at these World Cups in the future, then you need the likes of Portugal, Georgia, you know, Tonga have uh, uh, started to click as Tonga went on. Romania looked good yesterday. You need them to be, you know, more than plucky underdogs. And so, you know, hopefully World Rugby will see that and they'll they'll do something properly about it rather than, you know, kicking the can down to 2030 about, well, maybe they'll come into this sort of proposed Nations League and, that's, I don't think that solves anything. You know, we need to really make use of the momentum that, that, that they've built, particularly Portugal here in France. Um, but with that, I'll, I'll get off my soapbox. I don't think we can end. I fully agree, by the way. I don't think we can end without neck on the line predictions for the quarterfinal. That's good. Well, that's good shout. That is, so, that's uh, a good shout. I'll try New, Zealand, New Zealand against Ireland. Oh, are you asking me? Yeah, I'm asking you, yeah. Oh, I, and I, was, then, I thought I was the host. I'll go. <laughs> um, right, okay. I'll go Ireland. I think France will be South Africa. So I, just, I think they can live with the physicality. And then they've they just got that counter-attacking game on the back of it. Um, England-Fiji. I, I thought all along that England would win that. Um and do you know what? In, in a way, I think maybe the last two games, it doesn't look like it. That might be good for Fiji because it might, it might spark them a little bit to sort of come back with a performance next week. And also, it probably helps people forget the fact that they beat England at Twickenham. So they're not, you know, you know they, can, they can really play the underdogs this week and go back into it with their backs against the wall and just go out there and express themselves. But I do think England... The way that they're playing under Borthwick, it's sort of it is tournament rugby. It's it's not it's not pretty and it's not exciting. And he's probably going to continue to cop a lot of flack from from the English journalists, but I think they'll get the job done. Wales Argentina, I think I think Wales will do it, but I don't know that that could be a close one. Oh, I, th- I think Argentina are going to turn up. I think I think um, Ireland will win by twelve. I think France will win by about three. I think England will win by 10. I think it'd be close than people think because I think Fiji will turn up and I think Wales will win by eight to 10. I th- I, th- I agree with you. I think Argentina will turn up, but I just think Wales have, have got, you know, they, they put themselves through hell in the summer, as they, you know, like say with the training camps, they're a real tight team and they're a tough team. And yeah, I just think they just got to. I think they got the blueprint to beat them as well, tactically, physically. I think they can they can match them. So I I think it'll be close. But I think Wales will will have enough to win this game. 
as long as bigger Boanskam starts. And it's nothing against Costello. I think he's a fine prospect, but I think in big games like that, you know, you, you need your experienced generals and um, there's no better man than bigger for, for this sort of occasion. Absolutely. Um, and that's the perfect place to leave it. Even the score predictions, which I didn't do. Um, I'm not going to revisit my, my predictions now. I'm, I'm going to quit a while ago and it's good. So that's it for uh, the podcast. Um, if you have enjoyed, make sure that you do leave a review. And for all the latest news, you can catch it all over Wales Online. Until the next podcast, it's uh, goodbye from us. Bye.